All right, church, my name is Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. I want to welcome you uh, this Sunday. I am excited because we are in week seven. Everybody say week seven of our series called Sons and Daughters, where we're going through the book of Ephesians. Pull this out. Better? All right. We're going through uh, uh, the book of Ephesians together. If you've been tracking with us this year, we began the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting, calling out to the Lord for more of the Holy Spirit. Coming out this year, we realized we needed renewal in our hearts. We needed God to come and move. We said, Holy Spirit, come. And toward the end of that fast, our prayer was changed to, Holy Spirit, you're here. Flow through us, Lord. And as the Holy Spirit flows through us, as the Holy Spirit brings renewal, the place that renewal starts is renewing our minds, renewing the way that we think, renewing our thought life. And so we've been going through the book of Ephesians because in it, we are called as God's sons and daughters to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And so we've been journeying over the last seven weeks being renewed and transformed in the way that we think. And we're going to continue going there today. Now, there's been a thing going on in my neighborhood. I imagine it's been going on in your neighborhood. It happens every year around this time as we come out of winter and enter into spring. Everybody kind of starts looking at their yard, looking at their flower beds and trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to do now for my yard to look good, for my uh, you know, flowers to look good, to kind of come out of winter? And so I can watch around my neighborhood, different people going out and kind of taking a look. And I'll go out and normally uh, my wife and I, it'll be fertilizing and pruning are the things that need to happen at our house. But this year with the freeze in February, I was taking extra time on Google to try and figure out, are there extra things that I need to do coming out of this crazy freeze that we all live through so that my garden would be renewed so that spring would spring forth? researching and trying to figure that out. One of the things that uh, helps a garden grow, helps grass become fertile again, is the compost. And I've got a composter here. We started this series by saying, hey, this is kind of a defining image of what we're trying to do. If you were here that Sunday, you remember the special glove with the claws. I put it on for you. So the only reason I wanted to do this illustration was to put this glove on for you, right? But the compost goes in or the, the materials go in and over time it composts, comes out, right? And you've got fertile material to place on your garden, to place on your flower beds, to bring forth life. In a spiritual sense, God's word is like the compost. It's fertile and it brings forth life and vitality from our minds and our spirits and our hearts, and then overflows into our relationships. So as we've been going through Ephesians, we've been taking the compost of God's word, the renewing power of God's word, and just applying it, not to our yards, but to our minds, to the way that we think. And I want to review with you, because we're seven weeks in, I want to review with you kind of some of the things that we've renewed our minds in over the past couple months. We've renewed our minds in who God is. We've taken the composting power of God's word and letting it renew our minds. Coming out of the freeze of this last year, not just February, but the hard year that we went through in 2020, all of us, we need to be renewed in knowing who God is. 
And we've seen that God is a blesser, that he's loving, that he's an adopter, that he's gloriously and richly grace-filled, that he lavishes grace on us. He's a revealer of mysteries, and he's a unifier. We've renewed our minds that God's purpose for our world is that he is bringing all things in heaven and on earth and under there. He's bringing all things under the leadership of King Jesus. And that is good news for us. So no matter what we see in the headlines, we know where history is going. And it's going toward the good and wise, loving leadership of Jesus. Now, you guys seem a little uh, like you might be in like my yard, a little frozen over this spring. So let me just say that one again, because that's a good one. We need that renewal. No matter what the headlines tell us, we know that God is leading all things under the good, wise, loving leadership of King Jesus. And that gives us hope as we're coming out of this winter. It gives us hope for new life. We have renewed our minds in who we are in Christ. We've seen that we are alive in Christ, that God has made us. We were spiritually dead and God has made us alive in him. We are defined by God's mercy. Do you know that you're not defined by your past today? You're not defined by your failures or your successes. As a son or daughter of the king, you are defined by the mercy that God has given all of us in Jesus Christ. You're defined by mercy. The mercy of God marks our lives. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've encountered his grace and we have good works to do. Everyone here, whether in person or online, God has a purpose and a plan. Good works before you. That's who we are in him. We have been renewed in understanding the depth and the breadth, the height and the width of the love of God. And we've been stirred and inspired to know this love. In a fresh way, we have seen and been renewed in the power and willingness of God to do more than we ask or imagine. So our faith has been strengthened as we've begun to take God's word and be like, okay, well, if you're going to do more than I ask or imagine, it means I've got to start asking some stuff. I've got to start imagining some stuff for you to take it and break and exceed my expectations. We were renewed last week, the composting power of God's word, the renewing power of God's word. We were renewed around the victory of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, defeating our enemies of sin, death, and Satan, and leading us out into his victory. So we've been getting renewed. We've also been getting renewed in God's vision for the church. And as we move forward in Ephesians 4 today, we're going to see... The Apostle Paul going back into helping the Ephesian church. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to help all of us understand God's vision for the church. And that we would take the renewing power of God's word today and we would apply it again to our minds around his vision for the church. Now, you might be like, man, uh, this book of the Bible talks about the church a lot, like are we talking about the church again? We're talking about the church again. And let me remind you why this is so important. Why does Paul keep going back in with the Ephesian church? Why does the Holy Spirit keep going back in with believers uh, here in our church and throughout the centuries, renewing our minds around the church? Number one, the church is the organization that Jesus gave his life for. 
The church is the organization that Jesus started. It's the organization that Jesus is coming back. The church is referred to as Jesus' bride. The church is the one Jesus loves. So as followers of Jesus, as people who love Jesus, we want to be into the things that he's into, and Jesus is into the church. Need a little more mic help? Okay. All right, I'm going to get louder. I want you guys to get louder, okay? Jesus is into the church. Jesus loves the church and gave his life for the church. So as followers of Jesus, that shapes our perspective because we're following him where he is. We've also seen that there are many counterfeit, costly, and corrupted expressions of the church or things done in the name of Jesus that have wounded many people have destroyed many lives, things that ought not to be done, but were done in the name of Jesus. And because of the danger that is there, because of the pain that can be there, we need to know and we need to be aware of God's vision for the church because the only way you know how to avoid the counterfeit is by knowing the marks of the real. The only way you can know if money is counterfeit is if you know what a real $100 bill looks like. Right? The only way that you're going to avoid the pain that can come through the church, the, the toxicity that can come through the church, is by knowing, oh, this is what God was intending when he was thinking about the church. These are the marks of the real deal. And so the Apostle Paul wants the believers at Ephesus to know, hey, this is the real church. This is God's vision for the church. And the Holy Spirit wants to equip you and me that we might know the marks of the real church, God's vision for the church. And we've seen the potential of that church, that in the church, Christ has broken down the dividing wall that separated humanity. And he's making a new humanity, a new kind of people, the people of God. And it's a foretaste of the renewal that he's going to bring to the world. Christ has made the church to be a colony of heaven, a culture of heaven, that we would reflect the way that heaven operates, the life that's in heaven, that we would be a spiritual family. He's made the church to be a place for his presence to dwell. He's made the church to be a place to display his glory through to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. And today, Paul takes us into another image that paints a picture of the potential of the church. So as we renew our minds this morning, we're going to be rejuvenated in God's life-giving purposes for us and for our life here together. So the title of my message today is A Place to Grow. The church is a place to grow. I encourage you to take notes. Studies show that you remember more when you take notes. And I believe God has a word that he wants to speak to you. And I don't want you to get to Wednesday afternoon. And God was wanting to say something to you on Sunday that you needed for Wednesday. But we let it slip through because we got distracted. So I encourage you to take notes. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. Learning about the church as a place to grow. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So here, Paul is talking about the church and he's talking about this maturity, this growth that God wants to bring to his people through the church. And as I was thinking about that this week, I was reminded of a story I read uh, recently that was so fascinating and quirky and really connected. I just wanted to share it with you. Behind me on the screen, you'll see a picture of the Polgar family. Uh, The father in the family there with the beard. Uh, In the 1960s, they lived in Hungary. And he got this idea, this belief that humans had this potential inside of them that if they were put in the right environment, that they could grow to become anything. And he believed this so strongly that he decided to do a life experiment around this idea. And he decided that he wanted to pursue a wife and together they could have children and they could shape the environment of their children to help them become whatever they decided to be. So he wrote a series of letters trying to convince a girl to go in with him on his experiment. This woman here, Clara, she bought into the deal and said, okay, we can have these kids. And what specifically he wanted to do was to surround his kids in a chess championship environment with the belief that they could grow to become chess champions. So they embarked on this experiment. They had three kids and uh, they immersed those kids in a life of chess. I want to read you a little bit about them. This is so interesting. So they decided that chess would be a suitable field for the experiment, and they laid out a plan to raise their children to become chess prodigies. They decided that they would homeschool the kids, which was a rarity in Hungary at the time, and their house would be filled with chess books and pictures of famous chess players. The children would play against each other constantly, and then they'd take them to compete in the best tournaments they could find. The family kept a meticulous file system of the tournament history of every child and every competitor that was faced. Their lives were dedicated to chess. Uh, And there was success. Susan, the oldest, began playing chess when she was four years old. Within six months, she was defeating adults. Sophia, the middle child, did even better. By 14, she was a world chess champion. And a few years later, she became a grandmaster. Judith, the youngest, was the best of all. By age five, she could beat her dad. At 12, she was the youngest player ever listed among the top 100 chess players in the world. At 15 years old and four months, she became the youngest grandmaster of all time, younger than Bobby Fischer, the previous record holder. And for 27 years, she was the number one ranked female chess player in the world. Amazing. Now, am I saying that God wants you to become a chess champion? Unless you're Jared Coulter, probably not, right? If you know Jared, Jared is very good at chess. What am I trying to say? What's so appealing about this story? We all realize when we hear this story that there's something about environment that helps us all grow. And we all have this belief inside of us that there's talent here, that there's gold here, that there's something that the Lord has placed in us. And when we hear about the environment that this family cultivated, 
In some ways, it's like, wait, that is very strange. And in other ways, it deeply connects because we see and we know how important our environment is to help us to grow. Through this last freeze that we went through, before then, uh, my wife had bought an olive tree. I thought this olive tree was really cool. It was in a pot, and it just was like, man, I've never seen in person a real olive tree. I liked it a lot. We did not make it uh, when the freeze came. We did not bring that plant inside, and it is dead. It is gone. It is a dead olive tree now, not because there was a faulty seed that was planted, but because of the environmental factors around it, right? Our environment has the opportunity to bring out the best in us, and a faulty environment has the opportunity to bring out death in us. When I was thinking about environment, it reminded me of uh, a date that my wife and I went on. We were engaged. You can smile because you know what story is coming. It was Valentine's Day, and I really wanted to impress her. We were a couple months away from being married, and I was like, okay, I got this idea in my mind of where I would take her. I thought it sounded like a great idea. When we pulled up on Valentine's night, no kidding, outside the restaurant that we were going to were neon dancing pigs lighting the way for this restaurant. Now, my wife and I, we've lived in many places. We have lived in the hood. We have lived with our parents. We have lived in a third world country. We have lived in the suburbs. We've lived all around. We've lived in apartments and houses. We've eaten in all sorts of places. But I can tell you, on Valentine's night, my wife was like, I am not looking for a restaurant with dancing neon pigs going across the building. That's not the environment that our relationship is going to prosper in this evening. I don't know if you've ever gotten that look from someone, but we didn't even make it in the restaurant. It was in the parking lot, and I knew this is not going to go the way that I hoped, right? Environment matters. Environment matters. Environment matters for bringing out the best in us or bringing out the worst in us. There's a seed of potential that only grows to be fruitful in the right environments. And in this passage of scripture, Paul is teaching the church at Ephesus, hey, this is who God is. This is what God has done in your life. This is God's plan and purpose to bring everything under his leadership. And now he's going in describing the church because he wants them to know that that's not going to happen in a vacuum, but it's going to happen as they plant themselves in the local church that the church is the place to grow. That's what Paul wanted the Ephesian church to know, and that's what I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to know today through God's word. The church is a place to grow. So let's read that passage again with that lens on, looking at it as a place to grow. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. If you're new to the Bible, just gonna simplify a long explanation. These are people that God has given specific gifts and ministries to that Paul was trying to explain. These are operating in your church. God gave them to equip his people for works of service. What does it mean to equip? That his people might learn, that his people might grow, that his people might be trained in the church. To equip his people so that the body of Christ, that's a code word for the church, may be built up. See, all this growth language until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's maturity that was going to come out of the body as they got equipped, as they were together, they were going to grow to maturity in Christ. 
Then he describes that maturity. He said, we'll no longer be like infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. So that means there's going to be a strength that comes on the people of God that they're not susceptible to being thrown around by all sorts of lies. As we're in a series on renewing our mind around truth, this is important for us to see. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The church is a place to grow. Now let's dive in a little deeper. I want to make it a little more personal. The church is just not just generic a place to grow, but a church, the church is the place for you and me to grow, right? The church is a place for me to grow. Just say that out loud with me. The church is a place for me to grow. We'll say it again. The church is a place for me to grow, right? God wants to grow you. God has planted good things inside of you, and he wants to bring those things forth. And the church, what this is saying, is the environment in which those good things come forth in your life, in which God grows you to maturity in Christ. Why did, the, why did Paul want the Ephesians to see and to know this? Why is this important to us? Think about it. Have you ever felt tossed around in your faith? Have you ever felt hot one minute, cold the next? You're here one minute, you're there the next in your faith, and you're just kind of tossed around, you're unstable. Have you ever feel like you need to be equipped in something? You need to learn something. It's like, man, life didn't come with an instruction manual, and you need to learn. Have you ever felt like you needed to be equipped? I imagine the Ephesians did. I imagine you and I have all felt that. Have you ever felt stuck? So often the resources that we need, God has provided to us in the church and we need to access them. The church is a place for you and me to grow, to get the equipping, to get the strengthening, to get the, the building up that we need, that we might become the people that God has designed us to be. I want to speak to you today as a father. I want to speak to you today as a pastor. There is so much potential in your life. God has planted so many things in your life. If you don't believe it, come see me after the service and I will speak some of those things into you. There is gold inside of you. And God as a loving father wants to bring that out in the environment that he has designed for you to be equipped, for you to be strengthened, for you to be built up, for you to become mature in Christ is the church. That's what Paul wants the Ephesians to see. That's what the Holy Spirit wants us to see today. I'm gonna make a bold statement. I think it would be fair to say from this passage that no one can grow to their full potential in Christ without being planted in a local church. I'll say it again. I think it would be fair to say from this passage that no one can grow to their full potential in Christ without being planted in a local church. Why? Because this passage says that we all need equipping. And that there's equipping that happens in the local church. This passage says that we all need maturity that comes from being a part of the body of Christ working together. We're not made to grow as disciples of Jesus on our own. We're not made to grow as disciples of Jesus on our own. Discipleship is a group project. 
Discipleship happens in community. Growing in Christ happens in community. It doesn't mean that the church is the only thing needed for growth, but it means that we, when we realize we need to grow, we want to make sure that we are planted and working in the church as a place to start. Now, the church is not just a place for you and me to grow. I want you to think collectively. The church is a place for us to grow. That God wants to grow you and God wants to grow me, but God also wants to grow us as a community, as a church. Notice that he says in verse 13, until we all, that's a plural word, that's us, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so the church is not just a place for you and me to grow. The church is a place for us to grow. I want you to say that with me. The church is a place for us to grow. The church is a place for us to grow. Okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to wake you up this morning. They call the Sunday after Easter, they call it low Sunday because Easter, everybody's high, right? It's low. We're breaking the curve today, okay? We're going to break the curve, right? We're going we're gonna to be high last week, high this week because Jesus is still Lord. The church is a place for us to grow, okay? Let's say it again like you believe it. The church is a place for us to grow, right? God wants to grow you, and God wants to grow us together. Now, get this. This blew me away. In reading a commentary on the book of Ephesians by a Bible scholar named Dr. Abraham Kuruvila, he made this statement. The building of the body of Christ, the building of the church, is inextricably linked with Christ's intention of filling the universe with his rule, since the church is his instrument in carrying out his purposes for the cosmos. So what that is saying is that when he's talking about the church growing to become the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, right, that God is wanting to so fill the church that we would become an extension, we would become a vehicle, we would become the place that he would be extending his rule and glory to fill the entire universe, and it's going to come through his people. Wow. So God's plan for the cosmos to bring everything under the leadership of Jesus is tied to and connected to you and me growing together in a healthy local church. That's unbelievable. So we're going to grow as individuals, but God is also calling us and wants to renew our minds that we want to grow together. I love it. Now, have you guys ever played that game, uh, Two Truths and a Lie? You're in church I, it's okay if you played a game where you lied. I understand. But have you ever played the game Two Truths and a Lie? Just put your hand up, okay? Most of us, right? That game uh, is <clears throat> you get some people together, three people, and each one says a statement, and then you've got to guess. You know, two people are telling the truth. One person is telling a lie, and you've got to try and figure out who it is. We're going to play a different game today. We're going to play Two Lies and a Truth. Two Lies and a Truth. So we're going to turn it around. Because I realize for us sitting here today, there are two lies that are so often repeated in our culture that sometimes we can start to believe them. And then I want to speak to you the truth of the word of God. The first lie is the lie of independence. This lie is that I, all I need is me and Jesus. When the church is convenient, when the church kind of meets my needs, when I, when I have time, great. 
but I'm good with just me and Jesus, and I can grow to be all that God wants me to be on my own. That's the lie of independence. We live in a culture and a generation that teaches us to be independent, and there are good things about that, right? But in this case, when we look at the word of God, what we see is that the lie of independence, that idea of all I need is me and Jesus, it's not complete. It's not right that there's more to it, that here in the word of God, it's saying that we all need each other, that we all need the church. The church is to grow and build itself up in love as each part does its work. We need each other. Now, the other side of that coin, the other lie, is the lie of codependence. And what this means is, well, it's the church's responsibility to make me grow. Well, that yeah, pastor, he didn't do what I liked, or the music wasn't the way I liked it, or this or that, and it's their fault, and you know, all this, and, and we don't take responsibility. That's the lie of codependence. And what we're shooting for is the, is the truth of interdependence, right? Interdependence. That it's not, hey, I'm good on my own. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. And it's not, hey, it is all your responsibility for my growth. No, it's we need each other. Just like my arm, you know, the bicep and the tricep and the forearm, they all need each other to work well. We need each other. It's the truth of interdependence. And there's so many forces pushing away from this in our generation that I want to bring us back today to see God's heart again for his church, to see God's vision for his church, to see that God desires for you to grow and the environment for growth is being rooted and connected in a local church. That's where the spirit grows us. We don't need to be independent. We don't need to be codependent. We can be interdependent with one another. And I want you to know as we close, I want you to know that myself, our overseers, our staff, that we take this vision of this house being a place for you and me to grow and for us to grow, we take it with great seriousness. It's a high responsibility. And I'm really excited as we are coming out of this COVID season, I'm very excited for areas where I believe the Lord is leading us to grow and create an environment that fosters growth, a greenhouse of growth for you and for me. I'm excited to share those with you in the coming months, but I know that it's got to start with renewal in our minds. So I want to invite you to stand today. And I realize on the topic of the church, for so many of us, uh, when I dig in with you, what I hear is, man, there has just been all kinds of experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly through the church. So I realize this is not a straightforward kind of just, oh yeah, okay, it, it, there, there's some nuance here. But what I wanna lead us in right now is just lead us into that place of being at the feet of Jesus again and letting him speak into our hearts again, into our minds again about his vision for the church. And so if you're here today, if I can get the prayer team to come forward, as the worship team leads us in worship, we're gonna take time to respond. I specifically wanna to speak to you if you're here and you're like, man, I hear this and I, you know, at one point I was really committed to the church and over this last year, I've just kind of drifted. I believe that the Lord wants to renew you today. 
I believe that there's a, maybe you've struggled with a lie, the lie of independence or the lie of codependence. As I talk about that, you're like, you know what? That is me. I believe the Lord wants to build you up in the truth of interdependence today. So if I can get everybody's attention right here, let's hone in. Let's not miss this moment. Let's not miss this moment. I believe the Lord is a healer. He's a restorer. He's a renewer. He's a builder. And I believe that he wants to build our vision today for the church, his bride, the organization that he gave his life for. So our prayer and prophetic team is gonna be available. And if you realize that you need some renewal in your mind just around church and what it means to be a part, we wanna pray and we wanna minister to you. And the worship team is going to lead us. And so if this is just like, man, this is just, good general teaching. I just want you to go before the Lord right where you are and say, Lord, here I am. Renew me again in your truth about your vision for the church. But there's something specific. We want to pray for you. We want to believe for breakthrough today. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to enter into a time of worship and response as we linger here before the Lord. Don't check out yet. Let the Holy Spirit move in your heart. Jesus, we love you. We know that you love the church and you created the local church to be an environment for us to grow. So every place of apathy, every place of disappointment, every place of kind of been there, got the t-shirt, moving on, Lord. God, we're asking that the renewing power of your word would bring forth life out of those frozen places. For every person that has been wounded in the church, Lord, that has been hurt in the church, Lord, I thank you that you are a healer, Lord. And I ask that your healing power would extend to our church in Jesus' name. That there would be healing and restoration, Lord, in people's hearts. Every place where we've been more a product of our culture, the lie of independence or the, the other swing of codependence, Lord, I pray that there would be renewal today. That we would be people that carry your vision and your heart for your bride, for your church, Lord, that we will be people who plant ourselves in the church, Lord, and there grow to become mature expressions of who you desire for us to be. Lord, and I thank you, God, that as we grow, Lord, that there are solutions that you want to release through the church to the world around us, that there are breakthroughs that you want to release to the world that are designed to come through your church, Lord. God, so as we commit ourselves to you, would you move us in such a way that's not just about us, Lord, but it's about the world around us and it's about your glory being displayed and people being helped. In Jesus' name, amen. As the worship team leads us, I wanna invite you to come forward and receive ministry.